You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Uh, I want to give a quick apology. I've been noticing today as I went to record that my uh, everything got reset on my recording software, so I don't think I've actually been using the nicer mouse for the past few days, or nicer mouse, nicer microphone. So if the sound quality has been off, that is why. So there's a lot of news to digest and get into on today's show. That's going to be where we begin talking. Uh, we'll talk about multiple signings, some changes to the draft due to those signings, all that type of fun stuff. And then if there's time on the second half of the show, we'll start looking at the NL West and teams to break apart and talk about trade options for the Cleveland Indians. So today we saw a bunch of pitchers on the move. Um, Cole Hamels signed with the Atlanta Braves, one year, $18 million. I, My cat apparently wanted to chip in on that. Uh, it was a bit of an odd signing just because he is... Uh, soon to be 36 years of age. He had a rough second half. Now, when I dug into the numbers a little bit deeper, the his bat hip was extremely high, so he was a bit unlucky. His strikeout and walk rates were about in line with the first half. He had been really strong in the first half, and in the second half, he just couldn't get it together. So, was he really unlucky? Possibly. Was his stuff a little more hittable? Possibly. I mean, he is... It's funny to me how many people were, when I talked about Madison Bumgarner today, were concerned about his regression, which is there, and concerned about, you know, as he's aging, uh, he'll be 31 next, next August, but at the same time, I, I had people telling me that uh, Cole Hamels, you know, he's a, he's a young 36, but he's got a lot of innings. The other thing I thought was kind of funny were people that were like, well, he's never been offered the qualifying offer. That means next year the Braves can give him the qualifying offer and recoup a pick. That's what they did with Josh Donaldson. Uh, they're not going to give a 37-year-old pitcher the qualifying offer. He he kind of wanted to go year to year as is. He wants to do one-year deals. He would likely accept a qualifying offer next year at this time. So I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think that was a really a valid point. But the Braves out of that arm... Um, with the way the market's shaping up, not the worst vet arm, but we're definitely guys that I was I was more intrigued by. I, they're not necessarily done with the pitching sweepstakes, but I think this just about closes them out for the most part. Um, some of the guys they've been linked with early in the process, I think are just going to get too expensive. And speaking of expensive, the next one we saw was the Phillies signing Zach Wheeler for five years like 117 million, something like that. It was something under 120 million. Now the talk was the White Sox actually offered more and it sounds like Wheeler didn't want to go there so he used the Sox as leverage to get a better offer from the Phillies. Uh, this was just interesting more from the perspective that you know he's kind of the young arm with the least amount of concerns from like those top five. I mean, Garrett Cole is obviously the, the top arm but everyone's chasing him and he's going to be super expensive. Then you got Strasburg, who just had his first year where he really, you know, had a lot of innings pitched. And there is the history of arm trouble. But again, you'd probably prefer him just because of the ceiling. And then that next group is very much eye of the beholder with uh, uh, Ryu, Ryu, who's 33, so he's the old one. Madison Bumgarner, who has shown some signs of decline. And Zach Wheeler, who, you know, on... If you're looking kind of like old school stats, I'm sure there's people being like, his ERA was nearly four. And 
he was only 11 and 8. And that shows why those are bad stats. A uh, strikeout rate of 9, a walk rate of 2.3, which was a career low. The strikeout rate was almost a career high. Home run rate right about 1, and a hit rate around 9. That's all very sustainable stuff. That was in his age 29 year. He'll turn 30, I think, in June of next year. And the Mets will get that qualifying pick with this. He was worth four wins. For the Phillies, uh, slots right in as their number two starter. Uh, you got Arietta as your three, more than likely. Zach Eflin, and, you know, we'll kind of see from there. I think other, there'll be a few guys getting opportunities. But, uh, yeah, the, the Phillies kind of surprised me. I really thought he was going to go to the White Sox. I did not think the Phillies were going to step up and offer that big contract, but they did. Now the talk is that because of this, you know, dominoes start falling. We had two pitchers drop today. Um, you know, we talked about those guys. That The next tier underneath, the kind of big four that are left, who all got the qual- – uh, three of them got the qualifying offer. Ryu uh, did not because he got it a year ago. Uh, yeah, Michael Pineda, who was suspended for um, steroid use and was more of a 4-5. You got Wade Miley, who's been up and down, who's a lefty, who's more of a 4-5. And Tanner Rourke, who's definition of kind of a number five starter. So – once you get past kind of that big four, you're, you're looking at guys who are rotation filler, not rotation um, enhancers. So the talk is that both the Twins and the uh, the White Sox are, have switched and are throwing $100 million contracts at Madison Bumgarner. We'll see what happens, and it'll be interesting then what happens when uh, when he, he accepts one of those offers. What does that other team do? Are they going to switch and go after... Um, Ray, uh, Rayu hard, even though he is, you know, 33 going on 34. Do you see if you can? I, I don't think either of those teams are going to pony up the money for Cole or Strasburg. And at this point, I really feel like Cole to Anna, uh, the Angels feels likely with Strasburg to the Yankees. But, you know, the Nationals are still sitting there kind of waiting to, to pounce. We'll see what occurs. But uh, with Kyle Gibson off, it's, and uh, a few other guys, it's, there's just not that it's it's one extreme or the other so it's going to be like i said it's going to be interesting to watch i'll be very curious to see how this continues to develop uh then on top of those signings we had dylan bundy get traded from the orioles to the angels this was surprising to me from the perspective the angels are not really good at pitching development they're not good at straightening out guys who have struggles um you know matt harvey a few years ago i don't know if anyone could have straightened him out but uh he didn't we didn't see any growth a lot of pitchers the indians have had some luck with over the years are guys they've gotten from anaheim and been able to straighten out some issues they see there just like i said not a team known for getting more now dylan bundy has two really good pitches he's got some fantastic spin rate he feels like he could be better than he is and he feels like he should be better than he is but he hasn't done that yet uh there's two years of control for what is essentially a back-end arm i think this is a, a good challenge trade from the perspective that if you're the Angels, you're getting two years of control of a starting pitcher who's no worse than a back-end arm, and you know the pitching market right now is um, all buyers, very few sellers. So they get this arm, and they're not trading away any of their top 15 or so prospects. If you're the Orioles, you might be like, Dylan Bundy is what he is. He's a number five, but not even a good number five. He's always going to tantalize more than perform. Uh... He's, he's their latest version of Daniel Cabrera. 
if uh, you know I'm 38, so if you're around my age, you might remember Daniel Cabrera, and always had the stuff, but never had the performance when he was with the Orioles. So they move him. They get four guys. Uh, two were just draft picks this past year, which is interesting. And Zach Peak from Winthrop, who at points had first day talk. Uh, Brnanovich from uh, Elon, who got outshadowed by his teammate George Kirby, went on to being a first round pick. But Branovich had one of the best uh, breaking pitches in the entire draft. Excellent numbers. Uh, I know, like, Baseball America was really high on him, and I don't blame him. I thought it was a fantastic pickup by them. I think uh, both of those guys strike me as future relievers who can move quickly through the minors. Kyle Bradish, I've been a big fan of for a long time. When you're a pitcher in the state of New Mexico and you perform well, that makes me pay attention. Because all we've seen over the years is overhyped hitting prospects because that's such an area to hit well. Like, everyone hits there. So when you're the pitcher who gets guys out consistently, uh, able to miss bats in a, an environment that's just hell for pitchers, that's, that's a good sign. That's a sign that uh, no matter what he faces in the minors and the majors, he's n- never going to be in an environment worse than he was in college where he found success. It's an unorthodox delivery. Uh, so, I mean, it's very easy just to say reliever and move on. We'll see. He has still found success in the lower minors so far as a starter, but uh, the delivery is likely going to lead to control issues. But I'm, I'm a big Bradish guy. To me, he was a borderline top 10 prospect and and uh, is the star of the trade for the Orioles. And then uh, Matson, who was the first player announced, uh, pitched across three levels this year. Really high strikeout rate. More of a control guy from talking to my buddy Taylor Blake Ward. Uh, but he was missing bats. Um, 12, 13, and 14 per nine across three levels. So if you're the Orioles, you got four arms, all of which could potentially be bullpen arms for you in the next two to three years. Like they could build their bullpen off of this trade. So for them, they're like, well, he's a tantalizing arm who's never going to come together. I'm sure they heard lots of offers and they were ready just to move on as they're cutting salary at every corner there. So they get four arms that they can use. Uh, like I said, who potentially could be the whole basis for their bullpen in the future. The Angels get a guy who could be a mid-rotation or better arm if you can straighten it all out. So yeah, here we go. We're 10 minutes in, and we've only discussed uh, what's happened in the news. It's been kind of a, a crazy news day with a lot going on. It's been a fun postseason. Like I was after work uh, for almost an hour because that's when news started to break, and I kind of wanted to, to start going through things. Um, I made Angels fans very mad saying that even if they get Garrett Cole, it's currently Garrett Cole and a bunch of fives. Uh, Andrew Haney is a five. Uh, Berea is likely a five. A lot of guys there. Now, here's the caveats. When I made that statement, it was more that Otani, I was a doubter before, and he got hurt, and we've seen a very small look of him as a pitcher. Um, I thought he was going to be best served as like a batter or as a power reliever, I still I don't know if it's going to work out long term. He's an interesting guy. We'll see. But I also don't think he's going to get more than 20 starts this year just as he's working back to uh, full strength and returning from injury. And then Griffin Canning was the definition of a 5 last year. Got a 99 ERA+, plus, a near 5 FIP ERA. Now, can Canning get better? Absolutely. He's a guy who's got, I think, a solid number 3 potential there. And he could hit it this year. But as of now, based on what we've seen... The Angels are um, a bunch of fives. So we'll see where they go from there. Um, it is an interestingly constructed team. So before I dive into uh, talking about a team, let's also talk about the competitive balance uh, draft 
was the order was announced of that today. And this is important because there are no there's no one who's going to add a pick in the first round. Jake Odorizzi very, very, very foolishly accepted the qualifying offer. And I say all of those varies there because, you know, he got eighteen million for next year, which I mean we'd all like eighteen million for a year of work. But when you have Zach Wheeler getting 120 and you've got the Twins and the uh, White Sox bidding each other uh, against each other to go out and get Madison Bumgardner, who uh, his home run rate, his velocity is down, his home run rate is up. He's still able to miss bats. He's still able to show impeccable control. There's still a lot of good things there. But he is also pitching in the worst place for home run hitters. If he went to Chicago, he'd move to a top five. So that could see he could he could turn into left-handed Josh Tomlin, but the good version. Like remember when Josh Tomlin missed bats for like about a year and looked like a like a three? That could be essentially what Madison Bumgarner becomes. And that is, like I said, that's a three. That's a good pitcher. I don't know if that's a hundred million dollar pitcher. Jake Odorizzi, and the other thing I just want to point out: Madison Bumgarner is only ten months older than Zach Wheeler. I saw a lot of people acting like there was a huge age gap. Uh, Jake Odorizzi would have been 30 as well. They're all about the same age. But yeah, with teams willing to spend right now, Odorizzi missed out. He would have gotten, um, I think right now the White Sox would be 100% shifted towards him, trying to sign him away from the Twins and making that contract offer, having known. The other thing with, I will say, the White Sox is they know that they will get more positive publicity with Bumgarner, but I think Odorizzi would have been a better fit. So I think, yeah, he should be uh, firing whoever was advising him. Just a really unfortunate thing in terms of his camp. And, you know, he wasn't Craig Rimble where he was a reliever who was on the decline. He wasn't Dallas Keuchel where he was a starting pitcher who whose best years were clearly behind him. He was a guy who was just coming off his peak season. So let's go to this competitive balance draft. Basically, now we know where the Indians are going to pick when it comes to that first round range because there's these aren't changing. The 24th overall selection, one pick after the Washington Nationals who won the World Series, and then their competitive uh, balance, they have a round A pick this year will be the 37th pick. So the Indians will pick twice in the top 40. Uh, the other teams, Baltimore at 31, Pittsburgh at 32, Kansas City at 33, Arizona at 34, San Diego at 35, Colorado at 36, and the St. Louis Cardinals at 38. The B round is the Miami Marlins, Detroit Tigers, Tampa Bay Rays, Milwaukee Brewers, Cincinnati Reds, and Minnesota Twins. Uh, these are draft picks that can be traded. I don't think the Indians will trade this year because when you have that comp A, uh, it just enhances your pool a lot and it really gives the Indians a lot more flexibility. They've never traded to acquire them either, so I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, it would be interesting to see them try to... I, I would love to see a team go out of their way to add a ton of these comp picks. I, I would you know, just really drive up their pool value and see what they can do. That hasn't happened yet. We've seen teams add, I think, one, maybe two. Uh, there's been points where teams have almost given these picks away. So it's, it's hard to judge the valuation on them. Um, Ryan Webb, remember him, former reliever? Baltimore essentially gave Ryan Webb to the Dodgers along with a comp. I can't remember if it was a comp B or comp A pick because they had picked up his, uh, his arbitration and they didn't want to pay him like $2 million. So we've seen that occur. But it's a deep draft. I don't love the top of it. Um I don't think we see that uh, kind of star talent we've seen the past few years at the very peak top. Um, mind number one player is a, a guy where we're still not sure what position he's going to play. Is he a third baseman? Is he a second baseman? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but boy, can he hit. So that, that's the upside. But yeah, it's it's 
the Indians are in a good place because it's very deep. College pitching, though the Indians have not been as focused on college pitching the last few years, is especially where this class is deep. After last year's being the worst college pitching uh, crop I could remember, and everyone else agreeing with that, right now this one looks to be the deepest college pitching crop I can recall. So that's a little bit of a, a look ahead when it comes to the draft. We don't have enough time to really dive into any teams. Part of me wanted to try to talk about the Angels just because of what's going on there. Uh, we could do a little bit of Angels talk. The interesting thing I will say at this point is the Angels are really kind of pushed all the chips on, on, on Garrett Cole. If they don't get him, they then have to push all the chips in on Strasburg. If they didn't get him, they would end up pushing them all in on, uh, on Ryu, and that would be kind of the most Angels thing to do of late. Uh, just in terms of talking about their rotation a year ago, Tyler Skaggs was far and away their best pitcher. Um, just a terrible situation there. Dylan Peters, former Indians draft pick, was pretty terrible. Griffin Canning was a number five type of arm a year ago. Andrew Haney was below that. Uh, Jimmy Barea wasn't good. Jose Suarez was not good. I like Suarez kind of in that relief role for them. Uh, closer was, was Hanson uh, Robles, and he was actually excellent back there. Ty Boutre was solid. Cam Bedrosia feels like he's been around forever, but was pretty good for them. So if they miss out on a starter, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they honestly, even when you add Dylan Bundy in, like you can assume that Canning and Bundy are going to be major parts. It's almost like they need six starters because Otani is kind of the sixth. He's not, I just, I don't think they can throw him out there after having the year of not pitching and just expect him to soak up innings. And you have Haney, and you got Bundy, and you got Canning. Like, those three are kind of endotani, but again, I think you have to count for, like, two more arms at that point. So they almost need to acquire two pitchers. Uh, lineup-wise, they got this Trout guy who's okay in center. Uh, you got Poolhole, so you're kind of stuck with it first who had that rebound year. Uh, I like Ren Giffo. We'll see what he can do. Simmons is solid at short. Fletcher has been a really pleasant surprise at third. Uh, Tommy Lastella had some major changes last year, and I mean he was awesome before he got hurt, so he might actually see a lot more time at second. Ren Giffo kind of being more the utility role. Brian Goodwin also kind of broke out for them last year, had a fantastic season. So you assume he's in left. Upton, you just kind of, I mean, you're paying him money, so he's going to be your right fielder, he'll get that chance. Otani at DH. Paying a lot of money to Zach Cosart as well. I don't know where he shifts in on this team. So, yeah, I mean, they don't have, like, a, a ton of hitting depth. I, Jared Walsh is really intriguing. I think I mentioned him before, that he was, like, a, a two-way guy who hit a ton of home runs a year ago while also pitching. Uh, I'd have to pull up his minor league stats. First baseman pitcher. I like him, but I mean, if you're looking at, at, at the Angels as a team, they have money wrapped up in a lot of guys who are not good to have your money wrapped up in. Zach Cosart, they're stuck with through next year. I mentioned that he may not even start. He's going to make $13 million next year. Let's just talk about Pujols and Upton. Speaking of guys you don't want to pay, they don't have a catcher right now, which is an issue. Um, so, I mean, we'll... They, they desperately need to get someone who can kind of step in and, and be a starting catcher for them. Pull Hulse, they're paying through uh, 2020. Well, they're paying beyond 2021 because he's got one of those weird, like, 
pay forever contracts, but he's going to be make you feel a bit old. Albert Pujols will be 40 next year, and then he's got he'll be 40 in 2021, making 29 and 30 million, so just obscene amounts of money. And then after that, he has a 10 year, 10 million dollar a year service contract that begins the minute that contract expires. So we mentioned 12 million to Cosart, 29 here to uh, Pujols, so that takes you up to 41 million. And then Justin Upton is our, our third amigo, as it were. And Upton is all set to make uh, 21 million, 23 million, 28 million, no buyouts. So 21 and 29, quick math, that's 50. 60, about 63 million between three guys, all of which are below average players. Um, you hope for an Upton rebound, but even if he does rebound and he's just an average player, you have Joe Adele in AAA, Brandon Marsh on their heels. What do you do with these guys? And that's going to be kind of the question. That's why I still think um, we'll, we'll spend some more time with the Angels tomorrow. This Consider this pre-primer since they made a move today. Uh, I think there are some conceivable deals, and we'll kind of dive into them a little bit deeper, dive into the starting rotation, dive into the pen, and dive into their weird depth. And I say weird depth because they really shouldn't have depth. But because they are paying some guys large amounts of money, they're going to get playing time when, in actuality, um, they might be better off playing some of the kids and not playing Pulhos, Upton, and Cozart. So we'll talk about why they could make a trade, why they're in just such an odd space. I mean, the Angels um, don't do free agency right. Like, just go, you want to know how to do free agency wrong, go look what the Los Angeles Angels did. Um, it, It hasn't been pretty. But yeah, that's kind of where we are. So the Angels are going to be a team we dive into a little bit more tomorrow. We're going to uh, look at a few more positions. They need they need two starters and a catcher. Like let's be honest, that's they really need three players right now that they can count on. I like them. I hope they do well. I want Mike Trout to be more of a figure. I would love them to win the West. Honestly, I would, I'm going. I'm a huge Trout fan, greatest player of my lifetime. So I want the Angels to do well. I want Trout to get those opportunities to get a light shined on him on the big stage. I want If the Angels, the Indians can't succeed, I want the Angels to succeed because Mike Trout is good for baseball. Mike Trout is should be so easy to market. He's got a squeaky clean image. He does everything right on and off the field. He is the Mickey Mantle, the Willie Mays of this generation. And I want baseball to succeed because I love baseball and Mike Trout should be the perfect guy to be the face of baseball. As always, I want to thank everyone who's listening. Remember to rate and review. That helps. Um, We need to, the more reviews, the more I get recommended, the more I get recommended, the more people that listen, the more people that listen, the better sponsorship we can get, and the more likely the shows are to continue. So rate and review takes a few minutes if you haven't done it and it, it's extremely helpful so that's like please if you can go do it for a small show like this it means a lot uh thank you to those who have um and those who have done it in multiple places you do have my honest and sincere thanks it, it, it means so much to me uh, as always thank you for listening and go tribe